NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Right Time, where it's always the right time to discuss great books and incredible writers. My name is Brian Ripley Crandall, and I'm the director of the Connecticut Writing Project at Fairfield University. So for the last two weeks, I've been piecing together a million and one coincidences in my life, um, including the ways the universe collages so many stories together. In fact, I was listening to Seal's Deep Waters lyrics a few days ago, singing, Jade, a shade of pain, and then we die. And suddenly I had a flashback to reading Renee Watson's 2018 credit Scott King award-winning novel piecing me together, which stars Jade. And then I got an email from Tanya saying, uh, we have Renee Watson lined up for the right time. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is a book that I have on display in my office because I'm so in love with the cover. It's stunning. And I use it to initiate conversations with new students who come to visit me. So Tanya, I have a question for you, my co-host and my friend, how are we so lucky? Brian, if only we knew the answer to that question, we could bottle it, sell it, and keep teachers and the writing project all in all, everything they need. <laughs> we are so lucky. There is, I'm going to use your words, the beautiful tapestry between those who write great books and our network of teacher leaders who teach them to develop the next generation of writers. It's hard to believe we are almost through the second year of hosting the right time together. Like you, I'm a super fan of Renee Watson's book. So when I heard that she was scheduled as a guest, I thought long and hard about partnering her with the perfect teacher leader. And we are equally fortunate to have Fredisha Hopper Darrington with us too. Red Mountain Writing Project in the house. <laughs> Tanya, I used to live in Clarksville, Indiana. When I hiked along the Ohio River, I often stopped at one of the Lewis and Clark's cabins that was there. And I always wondered why there was never mention of York. In fact, I, it wasn't until I read a guy, Frank X. Walker's Buffalo Dance, that I even knew York existed. But here we are in a YA novel with an opportunity to critically think alongside Jay Butler about histories that get told and others that get left out in school. Ah, oh, Renee Watson, I'm, I'm just honored. I'm so honored to introduce you. So let me get started. Renee Watson is a number one New York Times bestselling author, educator, and community activist. Her young adult novel, Piecing Me Together, Bloomsbury 2017, received a Credit Scott King Award and Newbery Honor. Her children's picture books and novels for teens have received several awards and international recognition. Her poetry and fiction centers around the experience of Black girls and women and explores themes of home, identity, and the intersections of race, class, and gen gender. Her books include young adult novels, Love is a Revolution, Piecing Me Together, This Side of Home, and Watch Us Rise, co-written with Ellen Hagen. Her middle grade novels include the Ryan Hart series, Ways to Make Sunshine and Ways to Grow Love, Some Places More Than Others, Betty Before X, co-authored with Eliza Shabazz, and What Mom Left Me. Her picture book, Harlem's Little Blackbird, The Story of Florence Mills, received several honors, including an NAACP Image Award nomination in children's literature. One of Renee's passions is using the arts, this is why I love it, to help youth cope with trauma and discuss social issues. Her picture book, A Place Where Hurricanes Happen, is based on poetry workshops she facilitated with children in New Orleans and in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. Whew. Love that word, she's here. Wow. Renee Watson in our house. Woo. 
and I am always so excited for any opportunity to work with this educator. So it's my pleasure to introduce to all y'all our teacher for the evening, Fredisha Harper Darrington. She's an educator with the Fairfield City School System in Fairfield, Alabama, and works as a teacher consultant for the University of Alabama Birmingham's Red Mountain Writing Project. She's passionate about social justice as it relates to education and literacy of all students. She works as an advocate for students with dyslexia and promotes use of culturally responsive practices in all content areas. Fredisha has worked in the field of early literacy and language development as a classroom teacher and a school library media specialist for over 24 years. She is currently a PhD candidate at the University of Alabama at Birmingham in the Department of Curriculum and Instruction. Her work is centered around dyslexia, early literacy and language development, social justice, and equity in education. Fredisha considers writing, traveling, crocheting, which is something I did not know about you, Fredisha, and volunteering in her community as some of her many interests and passions. You can catch up with Fredisha on her blog at the Education Advocate at blogspot.com. And with that, we are going to turn the show over to our colleague and friend, Fredisha. Fredisha, give us an opportunity for a writing prompt. We're not going to stop and write together. It doesn't make good radio, as it turns out. Uh, mm -hmm. But <laughs> um, listeners at home could pause the show and write for a minute before they talk to listen to you talk to Renee, if they so chose. So can you tell us what you would invite them to write about? Okay. So... As we think about this um, young adult novel, Piecing Me Together, it addresses the complexities of fragmented identities and intersectionality. So in a short letter from your current self to your former self, impart advice, wisdom, and guidance. What will you tell your former self to help you navigate? this life's terrain. Thank you, Fredisha. With that, Brian and I are gonna disappear and we're gonna uh, invite you and Renee into conversation and we'll be back in a little while. All right, thank you. We're gonna disappear very slowly today, apparently. <laughs> Why can't I do this? I'm starting at the top, bye. Hello. I am so excited to talk to you. This novel is awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, yes. I related to it so much. Um, I wanted to start with um, like the story development of the um, novel. So we know that writers create stories in a myriad of ways. So stories are created, they evolve, and they grow from many different wells. So can you describe for me how your story developed, how you created your content, your characters, the themes, and your message in this story? Sure. Well, again, thanks for having me, and I'm excited to be in conversation with you. Um, piecing me together is turning five years old and yes. uh, right before I started writing that um, what well now I guess it would be six years ago I started writing it and I had just finished this side of home so this side of home is my first young adult novel and it takes place in northeast Portland 
a few, like a neighborhood over from North Portland where Peace and Me Together takes place. And in that novel, I'm dealing with a gentrified neighborhood, um, race and young people dealing with, you know, what does it mean to wanna hold on to your neighborhood as newcomers are coming in? Um, it's a lot about interracial dating and relationships. Um, and so for, for piecing me together, I wasn't quite finished writing about Portland and writing about that neighborhood. I grew up in Portland. And so I knew that I wanted to continue to write about race and race in Portland, but I wanted to also write about class. So in the way that I think this side of home really focuses on um, like an interracial romantic relationship, piecing me together is about friendship and mentorship and class and how um, you can be the same, you can belong to the same group. Like, you know, Maxine, the mentor and Jade are both black girls, black women. Um, and they have some parts in where they don't really see each other and understand each other. And she meets Sam, who's her white friend, who they gel and bond and get each other in so many ways. And then there's some differences there because Sam is white and Jade is black. And I really wanted to explore what that looks like. Um, as a writer, I will say in the very beginning, it was uh, weighed down with too, Mac, too much Maxine. I was telling the story um, from Jade's perspective in one chapter and then the next chapter we'd see Maxine and I was going back and forth and it was just too much adult in the book. So I had to get rid of those chapters and start all over uh, and really find what is Jade's voice what does she want what it, what matters to her and that's when I started to really sink into her story when I kind of got the adults a little more out of the way and really started listening to um to her and let her guide the story a little bit more so there's no romantic love in this this is all about mother daughter mentor mentee friend friend love and I thought it was important to explore that kind of love um, and showing up for yourself instead of having to show up for somebody else. Okay, um, so with you um, explaining that Jade and Sam were a primary focus of this book, I wanna talk about intersectionality. Mm -hmm. that, what, that came out of their relationship. And so Sam and Jade are friends and they, they do share similar socioeconomic status, right? And so as two teenage girls, they're both from lower income families that are seeking better opportunities for their lives. But Sam and Jade experience an impasse because Jade is talking about how she experiences racism and Sam is saying that she doesn't see that. And so here we see that Sam refuses to listen and understand Jay's experiences and that they're different from hers. So when Sam doesn't hear Jay when she's speaking from her experiences of racism, I want you to expound on how you address that intersectionality in this story. So why is this topic really important and how is it integral to the plot of the story? So I, I mean, we all have several identities, right? And groups that we belong to. And 
I don't just show, I never just show up as girl. I never just show up as black or, or as someone who grew up in the Pacific Northwest um, or as a big plus size thick woman. I'm all those things all the time, all at once. I'm bringing all of that with me. And, and our young people are too. They are bringing all of that into the classroom. I think the worst thing we can tell our students is to leave your personal lives at the door. Like, what does that mean? And teachers used to say that to me all the time or to our class all the time. Um, leave that at the door. You're here to learn. And it's like, well, I, I am me everywhere I go. And so this is what you're going to get. A black girl who grew up in Portland, Oregon, who's had to deal with body shaming, who's had to deal with growing up in an economically poor neighborhood and also being so wealthy with uh, love and talent and brilliance in my community as well, right? So I just wanted to put that on the page. I wanted um, young people to feel seen and to understand, oh, that I'm not the only one who feels torn sometimes or who feels like I can only show up as some of myself and not all of myself. So I thought that was important to provide young people these characters where hopefully they can have some of those conversations about their identities and how they show up in the world. And also, you know, I was writing this book at a time, I mean, we're still having this conversation. I think the United States of America will always be having this conversation about race. And uh, it was right on the heels of a lot of, of police brutality. There was just so much conversation around white privilege and what does that mean? And, and I had friends, like really close friends of mine who did not understand the difference between saying privilege and white privilege. And, um, and, and they didn't understand that because they were economically poor. So they felt like, what are you talking about? I have to do this, you know, the whole list of things. And so, and I understand that I grew up um, with white friends and I did not always understand that just because you were white did not mean you didn't also have struggles, partly because of how history is taught, right? And so it was just important for me to show Sam as a friend who is on her learning edge. Like I, she grows over the, the novel. I wanted someone to kind of model to white people, white young people, how to be an ally, how to listen and talk less. How do you show up for someone who maybe you don't fully understand, but you love? And then Jade has to learn how to forgive and how to you know, work at friendship and not just quit at things when they get hard. And so all of those things were influencing me writing the book and really focusing on the, the intersections of race, class, gender. These girls who are coming into themselves and having to bump up against their differences and also embracing each other um, in places where they really meet and kind of heal each other as well. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely it does. Because um, like you said, we're not monolithic and we don't show up as like one thing at a time. We're all those things wrapped up in, in one. You know, so yes, yeah, that does. So thinking about um, being all of those things at one time, thinking about the character development that you have in this novel. So you have all these different characters. You have Maxine, you have Sam, you have Jade, Jade's mother, and then EJ. So mm -hmm. how did you develop these characters? 
did you create them to fill a specific role that was needed to further your story along? Or um, did the plot of the story just kind of naturally lend itself to these characters or create the characters as the plot unfolded? It's, it's kind of both and. Um, I, I certainly feel like I, in the beginning, I really knew um, Jade, Maxine, and actually Lily, her best friend who lives in the hood with her, who's going to a public school, right? I knew them very well. And they were on the page from the very beginning. Sam came later and grew on me and I kind of fit her in. I was like, oh, this is what, the, you know, as I'm figuring out what the story is going to be, she became a crucial part in a way that I didn't expect when I just started writing. Um, and the mother is very important to me, to the story. I, I definitely knew I wanted to show a hardworking mother who cannot always show up for her daughter in the ways that we kind of celebrate mothers who can be at the school meetings, uh, be at home a lot and, and be really hands on. She's working and she's working late hours and she's very tired and she doesn't make a lot of money, but she loves her child fiercely. And I really needed that to be on the page. I feel like there's so much judgment about parents and, and so much critique on parenting and misunderstanding that just because someone is poor means that they're lazy or because someone is absent means that they don't care. So I wanted to make sure that the mom was present. Like when she is on the page, you really feel her, I think. Um, and she, even though she's not there a whole lot, you get the sense that because of the kind of mama she is, she's always kind of with Jade because of the way that she's raised her. Um, so yeah, I, you know, writing sometimes you have, a, I have a vague outline or idea and I usually start handwriting first just to kind of get intimate with my characters. I feel like I'm most honest when I am having pen to paper instead of typing. So I write first for a little bit and then the story starts to take shape. And just out of practical, you know, it's too much to write for me a whole novel um, by hand. So I go to the computer and by that point, I'm usually 60 pages in and that's when the story starts to tell me what it wants to be. I always have a vision, but then characters just start doing things on the page. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I need to add this or I need to flesh this out a little bit more. Um, so some of the characters like EJ, I kept wondering, what am I gonna do with him? What am I gonna do with him? And I wanted him to be the pushback against stereotypes on young black men who seemingly, you know, don't have it together um, and are just, you know, he wants to be, a rapper, a DJ, he, does he have a job? What is he going to do with his life? He's in his early 20s. He needs to get it together. But then he has some conversations with Jade where he really pushes her. And you learn that he's very smart and he's thought deeply about York and education and, and opportunity, right? And so I just wanted to try as much as I could to push the envelope of what we think a Black boy is, a Black girl is, a Black mama is, and really think about uh, making them full realized characters and humanizing some of the kind of cliche stereotypes that we see sometimes as tropes in YA. Okay. So thinking about characters, I want to look at specifically Maxine. So 
we see Maxine and she is a mentor and, but she is, she is black and she is a young woman and she is supposedly what Jade aspires to be. And so she's a mentor in this program, but there's a disconnect because because Maxine is upper, you know, middle class. She's had privilege, a pri privileged upbringing. And so she's treating Jade as if she's a project. And I've noticed that being a teacher and in the classroom, sometimes teachers treat students like that, like they're a project, something that they need to be fixed, something that needs to be you know, tweaked, you know, something that needs to be taught to be something different. And they use these rote and objectifying, you know, routines with these students so that they can be something better, not realizing, you know, that they bring something to the table and they bring talent. So how did you bring that to this story and why did you bring that to this story and what purpose does it have or hold and why was it important for you to tell that so i know maxine i mean i know many people who are like her uh, one of the reasons why i wanted to, i i intentionally made her a black woman so that it wouldn't be about race between the two of them that it would be very clearly about class that she is wealthy and that she kind of has opinions and stereotypes about economically poor people. Um, and I also wanted to, you know, there, there's this, this myth that just because you are, you share an identity, you're going to be best friends. And that's just not true. So just yes. because they're, you know, she, oh, she's black. You get the black mentor because that, you know, you're, of course you're going to jail, which is Miss Parker's, you know, um, the, the school counselor who is, all kinds of flawed but good intentions. Um, so I wanted to to mess with this idea of coming in to help someone and what does it mean to have very good intentions, but the impact is still hurtful. Um, what does it mean to be an adult, but still have some things to learn, right? And I've been on both sides. So I've been Jade, I've been the student in these programs where it feels like people are trying to come to save me. And I've had some great mentors and some of them are now friends. Like my, I, my high school teacher has become a, a very close friend. Um, but also I had adults who came into my life who were very hurtful and harmful because they were coming to fix me, save me, and they pitied my neighborhood. I've also been Maxine. I have worked with young people as a teaching artist, as a mentor, and I know what it's like when, when you feel like I'm supposed to know more than I actually know, right? When you're in your early 20s, mid 20s, even 30s, you're still learning and figuring things out. And just because you are an adult does not mean you know everything. Um, but when you get these jobs, you're, you know, you have to come in and be, be the be all for, for these young people. And so I wanted, I wanted to show the complexities of that. She is also trying to figure out who she is and find herself, but she does have something to offer and Jade has something to give her. So I'm hoping that adults, uh, parents, teachers, mentors can reflect on 
being open enough to receive from our young people and have it actually be a relationship instead of this kind of top down, I'm here to teach you, make you better, but more like I have some things to share with you. And what do you bring? Who are you? And what are, what are your identities? And how can I better see you? And what do you have to offer our classroom? Uh, what brilliance do you have? What are you really good at? What stories do you hold? And what do you want to tell? I think all of that is important. And so Maxine, like Sam, is on her learning curve of thinking like, oh, maybe I need to ask more questions. And maybe this young girl is way more mature than I thought she was. And, you know, I want to come alongside her and, and be a support, but not, um, not judge her and, and make sure that, you know, it's a mutual relationship. So that's all I was thinking about every program I've ever worked for and every program I was ever in and trying to kind of unpack some of that, um, some of those experiences. So in, in that, we know that listening is important and hearing and listening to be heard is important in this story, which centers around language. So you use language in such a marvelous way in this novel. So you use Spanish, the foreign language, and then also, like I said, you know, listening to be heard. So the ways that you explored that is so interesting to me. So could you explain your processes and your purposes surrounding the use of Spanish language and the importance of listening, of, of learning to listen, you know, to be heard? So with, with Spanish, I mean, I wanted to honor the neighborhood that Jade lives in. And um, there are a lot of Spanish speaking families there, a lot of Spanish speaking families that would be in that neighborhood. I wanted to give her a goal that also felt for her um, kind of big and impossible. So this goal of wanting to speak a language so that she can leave a place um, when really she needs to just learn how to speak, period. So just trying to have kind of this dual meaning of her learning, learning to speak a language and also learning to speak, just emotionally learning to use her voice. Um, having the Spanish words actually in the book to open each chapter came, it was both like a practical tool for me as a guide of like my outline of like, okay, this is the key word of this chapter. This is what's happening. It kind of anchored each chapter, but also I wanted there to be this visual effect since she's a visual artist. So her, those are her flashcards. If like, if you go, if you didn't catch that, if you go back and reread it, each, each uh, chapter heading is a word that she's learning. And then that word becomes kind of real evidence in her life. She lives out the words that she's learning. And so those in my mind are her flashcards that she's constantly looking at when she's on the bus going to school. Um, and then I wanted collage to be in the book too. Like, how do you, I don't, I didn't want to just talk about art or, or talk about her learning Spanish. I wanted the words to be in there. I wanted you to see some of her collages. So I, I made that choice of some of those chapters are different than what we normally see, right? In a novel, they're short, they're sparse, um, and they are kind of poetic to show her artistic side. So I was just trying to make sure the book felt layered like a collage. Um, since she's a, since she is a collagist, I wanted um, the book to feel like many pieces and parts of her life, literally 
coming together to make the whole book um, so that physically you could feel what was happening for her emotionally. Okay, so that leads me to my next question. So the title of the book is Piecing Me Together, right? And so mm -hmm. he's a collage artist, right? And in various ways, you kind of bring in or tie in the piecing together and as an art form. And I'm thinking about in what other ways did you tie in the title of this book or the theme is written into the story, the piecing me together? How was that written into the story? You know, I think a lot about, there's a scene where she's talking about the women who she's listened to, the, the older women in her life and her mother, I think it's her mom at some point who says, um, even when nothing changes, like when you're just with your women friends and you're talking and processing, it doesn't necessarily mean anything changes after that, but there is a healing that takes place because you've been seen and you've been bearing witness to somebody else's uh, pain and struggle and story. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think the women in her life piece her together. Like I, there's a, a healing that happens with Jade in each relationship that she's in, where they're kind of put, helping to put her back together when the world kind of tears her apart. There's a scene in the book where I got the title and I remember I, I started crying while I was writing this, this scene. She is at the um, sister to sister's slumber party and they've been asked to put a question in the bag and they're gonna have this girl to girl talk. And all the girls are asking these kind of, what she feels are superficial questions about dating and makeup tips and all of that. And she's sitting there thinking, can these women even help me first of all, but also her question is how does she remain whole in a world that wants to break her? When, when Jade is at home, she feels beautiful and fine and smart and capable, right? And then she goes out into the world and that's when she realizes, oh, I'm a big girl. And so that means I'm not beautiful and I can't go to this Dairy Queen and order food without being harassed by boys. I'm at this all white school. They don't think I'm smart or they don't value me. They don't really see me. So the world chips at you um, when you go out into the world. And so when she comes back to her folks, her people, um, Lily and her mama and EJ, and Sam, I think, and Maxine, they are piecing her together through love and relationships and a little bit of rebuke. And uh, we need it all, right, to, to, to become whole again. And so I think, I think that that is what's happening. And that's what I was trying to weave in the story as she's coming into herself as a young, young woman. That is so beautiful and powerful. Wow. Oh, thank you. And, and I, I can so that, relate to that. Art, I think the art too, you know, collage is an art form that is so useful for young people, especially if their life feels out of control. So like I, I rarely will use, unless I'm teaching an art class, that's different. But if I'm trying to really help young people cope with trauma or talk about heart issues, an art form that I, I often do is collage because there's more control of the materials. They can mm -hmm. rip and tear and paint, and, I mean, uh, paste down, make something out of chaos, right? Which is kind of what their life might be feeling like. 
Whereas something like watercolor, you know, could spill all over the paper and be frustrating. It's harder to contain. Um, and so I think that I was also mindful of what kind of art would actually be therapeutic for Jade. <laughs> like what would actually help her feel like she has some control. And so she leans into uh, visual art by way of collage. And then Lily is a poet because she's the bold one who wants to, you know, get her voice and her story out there. But I wanted to show young people that even if you're feeling powerless, you have your, your pen, your paper, your words, you can create art and talk back to the world and process what's happening to you. So I wanted to model that um, with the young people in the book and show young people that there is a way to still be heard, even if you feel like no one's listening to you. That's important, so important, especially for young people of color. That is so yes. yeah, in this society. So congratulations, Peeping Me Together is turning five years old next week, right? And so how is the book and or the world in which it lives different from when it first came into from when it won so much acclaim. So how are you feeling about that? It's birthday, piecing me together. <laughs> um, I, am, I just feel really, um, what is the word? I feel validated that this book of all my books got so much praise and attention because, you know, I, when I wrote, I felt so like, oh, I'm writing about this dark skinned girl from Portland, Oregon. No one, I mean, I just, it just felt like a story that could very easily fade to the background. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm really proud that it has resonated with so many people and that it, it has been translated. I've, I've gone all over the world, literally like to Australia and New Zealand and Morocco and Japan and uh, Hong Kong because of piecing me together. So that is wild to me that, that this little girl Jade has resonated with so many people. Um, something that is so exciting to me is that just, I remember the book coming out, you know, in February on Valentine's day and there, were, there was a, an article about the book and I was at this conference and someone said, they literally could name the black, the books that had black girl protagonists on the covers. And the fact that they can name them means there were not that many, but for that year, it felt like, oh my goodness, there's so many. And so now five years later, I'm like, oh, there are so many stories being told and getting the shine. I mean, we've always been telling our stories, let's be clear. We've always been published, like all of that has been happening, but I feel like publishers are putting marketing dollars behind books now. I feel like um, teachers mm -hmm. are being a little more open to not just the stories that are about historical fiction or race, you know, but, but mysteries and love stories and stories where black kids just get to exist and not only talk about their blackness. So I'm very, very excited about what's happening in Children's Split right now. I just, yeah, I feel so honored to be creating and writing at a time like this with all that's happening in the world um, that we are still finding ways to tell stories and love on our young people um, makes me really proud. Well, that was, you, you don't realize this, but the, it's gonna, 
happy Valentine's Day to everybody in here. Mm -hmm. Hearts to all of you. Hearts to everyone. Two days after Valentine's Day is my birthday and I turned 50. And you just gave me the most gorgeous gift. So five years for you, 50 for me. I couldn't be more overjoyed. That was absolutely beautiful. And um, oh, thank you. Fadija, you have a writing out prompt and then we're gonna we're gonna have our reaction. So yeah, absolutely. So I have a quote. So Maxine is right and wrong. Those girls are not the opposite of me. We are perpendicular. We may be on different paths, yes, but there's a place where we touch, where we connect and are just the same. So in life, we encounter many people walking many different paths yet there is a place where we touch so I would like for us to write about the place of unity that place of congruence that place of connection how can we as humanity use this strength power and solidarity to better our lives individually and collectively and this is the moment because I'm tearing up. <laughs> that is such a beautiful, gorgeous question. And it goes perfectly with a beautiful, gorgeous book from the perspective yes. of a young Jade just being herself. And yeah, thank you for that question. You know, my takeaway, one of the things I, I was, Tanya was texting me and she's like, Brian, you're being awfully quiet tonight. Where are you? Usually you're reacting. And I'm like, I'm taking notes. I'm like, I'm writing down and, and I'm processing because Jade is just such a beautiful thinker and just such a, a beautiful mind. And, and, and she does these, this subtle defense of who she is in her thinking. And one of the pl places that resonated the most with me when she, when she was defending her mom, mm -hmm. it, it, like, like just because I'm poor and just because she's a single mom and just because she's at work, doesn't yeah. mean that yeah, she's yeah. not instilling me with incredible values to become someone, your assumption. And it's so true. It's so true. And I was like, I was like, I, you know, as soon as that happened at the beginning of the book, I was like, I love you, Jade. I'm fighting for you. I'm advocating for you. You tell me what you need. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that. I, I, I am emotional. I'm like, I don't know why. It's just such a gorgeous book. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Yeah especially coming from educators and people who love young people. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, this, um, Renee, we're so happy to have you on the show and we're so lucky to be able to celebrate the fifth birthday of this book with you. It's really great. And Pradesha, your questions were amazing. Very I, thoughtful. They were, yeah. I, um, my moment of tears was um, thinking, was when you were talking about um, one of the things that we didn't really talk about on the show is the way that um, what it what it means to have wealth and um, the richness of Jade's life in many ways, in contrast, even to Maxine's, mm -hmm. uh, the way she is embraced or not embraced by her family and celebrated for who she is and what she wants to do in the world. Um, I think, you know, I don't know, I have a lot to say about this, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to say that was one of the things that really resonated with me about this book is uh, we, I think we really 
have to redefine what's valuable in our country. And um, this book is really kind of helps you with that in, in a very multi-layered, like a collage way. So it was mm -hmm. another thing I really loved about this book. So thank you. Thanks. And yay for the birthday of this book. <laughs> Um, I would put up slides, but I seem to have lost them. So I'm just going to say goodnight without any slides tonight. I'm going to say thank you, Radisha and Renee. It was a beautiful conversation and I feel really honored to have been here for it. Thank you, Brian. We are almost at two years of, we are almost at the birthday of the right time itself. And it's um, brought such richness to our lives and to the lives of uh, the listeners. Um, and thank you, Dr. Tanya, Dr. Tanya Perry, for the Red Mountain Writing Project in delivering us beautiful teacher leaders like we have tonight. That Red Mountain Writing Project is a oh, man. <laughs> you haven't lived. Hey, thank you. Renee Watson, <laughs> I invite you on behalf of Tanya Perry to go visit that site one day because what they do there, it's just breathtaking. They're just amazing. Oh, I would love to. Amazing yeah, human. Make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you won't forget. Uh, that would oh we should talk about that later because i have an idea anyway <laughs> i would also like to thank listeners who are here tonight and if you found your way here by luck then you must know you were really lucky to have to have found your way into this particular episode uh, but you don't want to miss any because they're all amazing so please go to nwp.org sign up for the right now newsletter or join us in a teacher studio where teachers are talking about how they teach with YA literature, how they raise writers, and many more things. You can find us there at studio.nwp.org. Um, and, uh, and we want to have your voice in our conversation, too. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Hi, everyone. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP.